Get going. I'd like to welcome you to Bible study tonight. Great to see everybody. Another Monday night. Tom, especially you. Welcome back. Glad you're here. Yes. It's exciting. We're going to begin our time in prayer, so uh, let's take a few minutes and ask God's blessing on our time. Father, thanks for uh, just this time to meet, and we thank you for uh, just being here with us. We ask that you would lead us, you'd guide us, you'd empower us. We pray, God, that we would learn from you. We ask for the Holy Spirit to really teach us tonight, and that we'd have ears to hear and eyes to see, and really a, a mind that's open, a heart that's open to receive what you want to say and what you want to teach us. So, God, we open ourselves to you. We yield ourselves to your Holy Spirit, and we ask God that he would have his way in us. I pray, God, that you change our minds about things, uh, that you would challenge us. I pray, God, that new information would be poured into us. And I ask you, Father, that we'd be faithful to take hold of what you're showing us tonight and put it into motion in our lives. God, thanks for loving us, and thanks for your patience over our life. I pray, God, that we'd receive of you. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you need a Bible available on the, the table here, feel free to get on up and grab one. We had no onslaught of, uh, of speak pipe messages for this week. Uh, after we had three last week, a new record really, uh, three last week. Uh, but uh, if you would like to avail yourself of that feature, it's an interactive feature of our Bible study. It's through a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. Just smush it all together, and there will be a button on that page. You can press the button. It records what you have to say, sort of like a voicemail, and then it gets emailed to us and uh, we can play it and respond to it so if you have a question a comment anything really that you'd like to share be a part of our time here together uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'll endeavor to play that and respond appropriately thanks so Colossians chapter 3 you need to volunteer read verses 12 and 13 All right, thanks for reading that. Here's a word to the church. All right, here's a word to the church. And that's really what it is. It's Paul, he's writing to the church, uh, the Colossian church, but it's a word to us. It's a word to the whole church, and that's why he starts it that way. He speaks this word to the elect, to the chosen. And the idea behind the elect or the chosen is what he's talking about. This is the whole church. The whole church he's speaking to, through time, space, whatever. And, and this is his word to us. And it's kind of a word that if you think about it, it seems like, all right, well, that seems really obvious. Well, yeah, okay, it's obvious. What's not obvious uh, most of the time when it comes to the teachings of Jesus or the teachings of, 
of Paul as he's interpreting the teachings of Jesus and applying them to the church, what's really not that obvious? I mean, most of it is obvious. It's just what's the real question is, like, what are we doing about it? What am I doing about it? It's one thing to talk about, oh, well, that makes sense. Well, of course. Yeah, well, of course. And what are we doing about it? And so that's really, I want to challenge you with that tonight, is that it's up to us to do something about it. And that we're being challenged by this word to actually make whatever changes need to be made in our lives, in our attitudes, in the way we're seeing people, in the way we're seeing ourselves, and to really make some changes so that we can actually live this way. That we can hear this word. I mean, when somebody prophesies over you and they give you a word, you have an opportunity, if you want, to respond to that. I mean, some people would say we have an obligation to respond to that because God's speaking it into our life. And I might agree with that. But, but I will leave it at opportunity. You have an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit, opportunity to respond to what God is saying is has been prophesied over you. You can receive it. You can write it down or listen to it over and over again until God speaks something. You can do whatever you need to do with it, but you have an opportunity to respond to that. And you should respond to that. And so this word is, I believe, just as living as any prophecy that's spoken over us. It's a living word to us. And it's something that, that as Paul's speaking this, he's, and, he's, and he's including us in it because he's including us right in the beginning of it. The address. You know, how do you receive a piece of mail? Well, it has an address on it, right? It tells you who it goes to. Well, this is addressed to us. The elect. You're the elect. I'm the elect. And that's used a number of times in the scriptures. And it refers to the whole church. And there, there's really two signs of inclusion in this. Kind of interesting signs of inclusion. They are holy and beloved. And those are our two signs of inclusion. Holy is kind of tough sometimes because those of us that were brought up in any kind of religious background, that word kind of doesn't make sense. Like how do you apply that word to humans? How do you apply that word to yourself? And yet it is applied to you. And it's applied to me, and, and it needs to begin to make sense somehow to us, regardless of our background. That if because of our background we have a hard time thinking of ourselves as holy, then perhaps we need to change some of our ways of thinking about holy, and what it means, and what it actually entails, and, and how we would even be included in that statement. If you want to look up something, holy to me, it means to be set apart and consecrated. That's what it means. And, and God's done that in our life. Jesus has done that in our life. To be beloved is to just simply be loved. It's right in the word. Loved. Beloved. Be loved. That's what it is. Okay, somebody look at uh, John seventeen nineteen. Let's look at this holy thing. John seventeen nineteen. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. Okay, so Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Was that red? It was totally That's red. totally red, right? And so Jesus, yeah. So so he consecrates himself. All right, sets apart, consecrated, holy. Why does he consecrate himself? 
so that we too, what? May be consecrated. So the idea behind that is, is that we don't really have any claim on holiness or being consecrated except through, through Christ. But to say that isn't to exclude us from it, it's to include us in it. By saying that I didn't do it myself doesn't mean it doesn't get done. There's plenty of things we don't do ourselves to get done. Plenty of things. Plenty of stuff that happens that, that we, that somebody else will do, and yet we're included in that. Some of you have served in the military. Most of us haven't. It doesn't exclude the fact that there were people that have and do serve in the military that serve the best interests of our nation, and we benefit from that. Just because we're not there doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because we're not doing it doesn't mean we're not benefiting from it either. And we're not included in that. Because we are. And there's other things like that. And there's other places and other times when things like that happen in our lives. And so it doesn't negate it. Just because you can't make yourself holy doesn't mean you're not holy. Because Jesus can and did. And so whatever other definition you have rolling around in your mind, it may need to be set aside. And you may need to begin to think of things a little bit differently because Jesus has done this thing. He consecrated himself that we too might be consecrated. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. So what, we get an impossible command? Well, that, that's what that would be. Yeah. Well, to me, the word consecrate, and I'm sure it has a lot of shades of meaning, but the very basic meaning to me of the word consecrate is to set apart for a specific purpose. All right? And, and that's the idea behind holiness, is to be set apart for a specific purpose. And I believe through our relationship with Christ and through what he's done, he sets us apart for whatever his purpose is. And that we are expected, and, and I talked about this Sunday, we are expected to take part in that, whatever his purpose is for our lives. That's what he's looking for. And so because he set himself apart, we too are set apart. Because he's been consecrated, we're consecrated. That's what that verse says in John. And so there is a holiness that we have, not because we did it, but because he did and he's chosen that we might partake in that. And it's as easy to understand as that. You know, my, my kids did nothing to buy the house we live in. Did you know that? They weren't even born when we moved into that house. And they've done nothing to really materially participate in any aspect of paying for that house. Ever. 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 And yet they fully live in that house. They have keys to that house. They come and go as they please. They use it fully. <laughs> participating in its use. And yet have put nothing into it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that's how it is. 
And so I, I'm not looking at them saying, well, you don't have a home. Of course they have a home. They're a member of the household. They live there. It's their house. I understand that. I'm more than willing to give them that. How much more Jesus, how much more the Father is willing to give us? By, 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 he's done what needed to be done. He said what needed to be said. He's included us in what he's needed to include us in. And so we've been consecrated and made holy. How? By him. We didn't do it. It doesn't mean it's not real. And, I don't, and I'm, I'm kind of harping on this because I, I'm trying to help some of you get over that hump. Because you've got a hump in front of you saying, yeah, but I'm not that way. Well, I know that. So does God. So does everybody else. We all know it. But that's not the point. The point is that, that he's done it. And he's given to us. And he's set us apart. And he's made us that way. So one of the marks of the elect, a sign of inclusion, is accepting that. That it's, it's been done. But if we're going to live in that inclusion, if we're going to really live in that, and we're really going to participate in that, and we're really going to find peace and rest in that, we've got to accept that. It's part of the, it's part of the deal. And so, so there's that one piece of that, that holiness, that consecration that we need to, to get a hold of. The second part, the second mark of it, second sign of inclusion, is that we're beloved. Just go back in Colossians a little bit, Colossians 1.13. Anybody want to read that? So, so who does he love? He loves his son, but who does he love through his son? He loves us. Okay, that love has been given to us. How do we know that? Because we've been translated, we've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. See, this is a mark of who we are. It is a mark of who we are. It is a sign of inclusion of who we are that not only are we made holy, not only are we proclaimed holy, but we're also beloved. And we reap the benefits of God's love in our life. He loves Jesus. Well, he loves us. Jesus consecrated himself so that we might be consecrated. Jesus said about himself, he said, Greater love is no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. He laid down his life for all of us. So how much more love is there? He says, none greater. There's none greater love. None. I don't care how, much, how in love you've ever been in your life. You know, like really in love with somebody. Like you get like a funny feeling about it. And you think about them all the time. And you're loving them. And you got the warm, fuzzy feeling about it. And you can't wait to see them again. And, and you can't wait until they come around again. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no. No, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, no, anything, yesterday, right, anything, anything, you kind of know what I'm talking about, okay, good, so, okay, so we, we, we say that's love, well, well, this is even bigger than that, this is even deeper than that, this is even greater than that, and that's the love that Jesus has for us, 
That's how much we're loved. Even more than that. Even more than puppy love. Even more than, than, oh, you know, I don't even need to sleep at night so I can think about this other person. He loves us more than that. More than that. If we could only receive it. If we could only really, I mean, really, truly receive that. See, that's a mark of who we are. That, that's a sign of our inclusion is that we are beloved and that we are consecrated. And so here's the word for the church. I'm going to start with a word that he used here, and that is tender-hearted is a word that he uses right there. And if you break that word up into the original language, it means literally, and you'll see that some of your Bibles probably say this, but literally what it means is bowels of mercy. And some of your Bibles probably say that. The old-fashioned Bibles say that because that's the literal translation of it, is that your bowels are full of mercy. Now, no offense, Tom. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yes. And, and you've heard me talk about this before, and, and this really came up at a youth retreat a couple years ago, where the Bible talks a lot about bowels. It talks a lot about it. It talks a lot about the innermost being, the gut, the bowels. And, and I find that interesting because uh, modern research is beginning to catch up to what the Bible was talking about with that. In that, you know, he, talk, he talks about Jesus and he, and he proclaimed that, out of our innermost being, right out of our belly, right out of our bowels, will come rivers of living water. All right? And they well up, and there's like this, this, this supply of living water that's in us that just is ready to pour out of us. And, and the Bible talks about the bowels as having, you know, a, a sense of mercy or a sense of tenderness or a sense of emotion. And, and different emotions are described and attributed to the bowels. Well, we've always said, well, you know, in modern world and modern thought, well, that's just figurative. But you think about how when something goes wrong, you, you can feel it in your gut. Or you're nervous. Where do you have butterflies? In your gut. And then there's these emotional reactions that are real, that we have, that we feel in our gut. It just is. We feel it right in our bowels. And, and we can ignore that and say, well, that's just this or that or a psychosomatic reaction or whatever. But what they've really found out is that there's a lot of nerves in the gut. What they've found out that there's like really kind of brain parts in the gut, like ganglia and stuff. And, and they figured out, and I've read this in a number of different places, that, that the gut has its own pseudo-intelligence that we would never attribute to that. In years past, we would never think that. And yet, there, there's a pseudo-intelligence. Some people believe that it's a, the same type of intelligence, say about the same as a, a household pet that we'd have in our gut. And, and I know that that's hard for us to think about because we've been taught something completely different than that, and yet research is showing that that's really true. The Bible knew it the whole time. They knew it the whole time. And I, so I'm fascinated by that. I'm really fascinated by that, that, that we really, there's something to this. And so when the Bible talks about bowels of mercy, 
It's talking about down here. In, in this real part of us that, that we can experience this mercy and we can not only experience it, but like rivers of living water can pour out of us from there. Mercy can pour out of us from there. Tenderness can pour out of us, out of us from there. That there's emotions that can come out of us from there, from that spot, as weird as that sounds. And so I want to start with that word because part of the word to the church is finding that again. It's finding that, to find our bowels of mercies, to find our gut again, and, and actually allowing ourselves to feel that. It's okay. We want that. There's something real about that part of us that connects to the Holy Spirit. There's something real about that part of us that connects to Jesus and who he is. And because the Bible talks about it. The Bible just describes what happens when the Holy Spirit connects with that part of us and there's rivers of living water coming forth from us. Right from here. You know, I, I had the kids do the exercise and do an exercise a couple of years ago at the retreat where I just had them put their hands on their guts, on their bellies, and we just prayed. And they said, all right, we're just going to receive right now. And we just received. We just received. We asked Jesus to, to really speak to us. We asked Jesus to, to come in and, and, and begin to heal us. We asked Jesus to come in and, and that we'd have just really ears to hear what he was saying, what it means for like rivers of living water to well up here and to wait for that and let those rivers well up in us. And just took the time. Yeah, to, to really experience God, to really experience the Holy Spirit, really experience Jesus here. Because we, we got so much that tells us we're going to experience him where? Here? How much, how much of a direct, you know, you think sometimes, like, sometimes we're too smart for our own good. I mean that, and in the nicest of ways. But sometimes we're just too smart for our own good and we talk ourselves out of things that God has for us. And I think there's something to the fact that we really need to begin to experience and, and regain that experience with God in our gut, in our bowels. Because uh, I mean, even when it comes to forgiving people, I want you to think about this for a second. And, and when you're forgiving someone, you know, you could know you get that Jesus, yeah, I mean, it's just time. You need to forgive that person. You need to let go of this. But in your brain, you're unwilling to do it. Why? Because you don't want to get hurt. Why? Because you fear. Why? Because you're angry. Why? Because you want revenge. Why? Because whatever is in your brain. And those are the moments where we really need the connection with the Holy Spirit in our belly. And we need to just let that, that forgiveness and let that mercy flow. Because maybe our brain isn't going to let it out. But you know what? We can let it flow from here. And we need to. There's a lot more mercy and a lot more grace that God wants us ministering to each other than what we're doing. And a lot of that gets held up right here. And it gets held up through our fear and it gets held up through our anger or whatever it is. Talking ourselves out or, or coming to a better conclusion or whatever. And we end up walking around 
with a lot more anxiety and a lot more stuff going on in us than we really need to. Jesus was pretty clear about this, and I this is later on in what, what the teaching is, but Jesus was pretty clear. If you want to be forgiven and you want to live the forgiven life, what's expected of you? That you forgive. Right. I mean, you ever think about it's like when people get all uptight and they get all nervous and they, you know, they get all, uh, I don't know, anxiety and all that. Why does their stomach hurt? Why do people get ulcers? Why does their acid reflux? Why? I mean, I don't know. You can, I guess we could start talking about diet and things like that, but I really want you to think about that for a second. Why is there such a strong reaction in our gut to what's supposedly going on here? Right? There's a lot of anxiety in our society. There's a lot of anxiety in, in the world that we live in. Well, how come it's killing us here? Right? So, I want to I wanna encourage us. You want to just take a minute and let's just listen to the Holy Spirit? Just right now? Just take a few seconds, all right? And, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, just put your hand, hands right on your belly. Just wherever you think your belly is. I don't care where you think it is. It doesn't matter. But just put your because <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where it is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just put your hands on your belly. And just, just sit quietly. Holy Spirit. Yeah, Holy Spirit. I just want to connect with you. just want to connect with you, Holy Spirit. And as you're breathing, just, just think about his breathing him in. The Bible describes him as a breath sometimes, that breath of life, that pneuma, that, that wind. Thank you, God. God, we want to hear you. Not through our brain right now. We just want to hear you. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, you'd help us to connect with you. Right in our innermost being. Right in our gut. Right in our bowels, God. And I pray for a tenderness... And I pray for a mercy to well up in our innermost being, in our gut, in our bowels. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, God. I just want to encourage you to just let that remain. Uh, as we continue, that connection remain. As Paul's writing to the church here, he says, put on, therefore, a greater, and, and what that means is in a greater degree than before. So all he's saying to the church is, yeah, you guys love each other. Okay, good. You guys are merciful to each other? Good. You guys forgive each other? Good. You guys are patient with each other? Awesome. You guys, uh, you care about each other? Good to hear. All, right, all those things are great. He says, but I want, this is a word for something greater, a greater degree than before. 
This is what the word is. All right? So whatever is obvious to you, good. But we're looking for something greater. We're looking for something greater. So we look at Philippians 2.1. saying there I mean seriously what's he saying there hey, we've been given opportunity to experience certain things right we've been given that privilege and so we're experiencing those things and what's he saying to us good experience those things but you know what we need to share that experience with others it's not just for you it's not just for me. Although we benefit from it as individuals, there's more to it than that. It's a shared life that God has given us. So I want you to think about the idea of mercy for a little while. Because he goes down this list in Colossians about, you know, kind of the idea of, of how. Uh, God's working in us and through us, and, and he's saying, okay, well, I want a greater degree than before. A greater degree of what? And he goes through a progression there, and there is a progression to this. These aren't just random words in a random order. But he puts them in a progression for us to begin to understand this. Okay, I'm going to start us off by uh, read Matthew 6. <coughs> Matthew 6 and verse 12. Matthew 6, 12. And just stay there for a second. I'm going to have to read another verse in the same chapter. Thanks. What are you reading from there in the verse 12? What's that part of? Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer. Yep. Yeah. And they came to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray. And so he taught them how to pray. And one of the things he taught them how to pray was this. And one of the principles behind why he taught them how to pray was this, that uh, you ask for forgiveness, that's great, but you need to forgive each other. See, it's a shared life. It's not just for you. It is for you. It's not just for you. And so we have to get that in our minds. Like, well, yeah, I receive forgiveness. Good. But it, it, that mercy is shared. And so the person next to us is, has, re, has received mercy also. And so we are to live within that mercy. We're sharing life with each other in that mercy and in that idea of mercy. 
I receive mercy, you receive mercy, we receive mercy. Mercy is being poured out on us. So what am I going to do? Get in a fight with you? You know, I mean, seriously, it's like I, I'm receiving all this mercy. You're receiving all this mercy. And I'm not saying we never get mad at each other. It never happens. But of course it does. But the overall mentality of this and what I'm trying to, to get to is the overreaching mentality of this is that we live in mercy. And it's a shared experience. And when we find ourselves pulling ourselves out of that, when we're not forgiving the people around us, then we're not really receiving forgiveness either. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to show mercy to that person. Well, then you're not receiving mercy. Because you're not living in the shared experience. Oh, I'm going to receive mercy. Well, then show mercy over here. Okay, we're all living in the shared experience. When we break that sharing of it, follow me? We break it. We break the experience. And that's the bad part. And we've all been there and we all experienced that. What that feels like. Nobody wants to be there. And yet there it is. Because we choose not to live in it. It's not because there's not, there's not a whole lot of mercy out there ready for us. It's right there. There's plenty of mercy. Plenty of mercy for every single person. We just need to choose to live in it. We need to choose to live in it. I need to choose to live in it. You need to choose to live in it. We need to choose to live in it. But you find yourself not living in it, that's a terrible place to be. So we're going to talk about three things, three kind of levels of, of looking at life. The first level is kind of the, just the most general, natural, universal instinct of compassion and sympathy. Most people have that, unless they're a psychopath. No, no, most people have a certain level of compassion and sympathy. In other words, they see the plight of somebody, they see something happening around them, they, they have an opportunity or whatever to respond to that, and they respond with compassion, and they respond with sympathy. And you know that because like, there, there, there's times where there's, there's people that go through natural disasters, all right? And they will put something on the TV screen. They'll show you what the people are going through. It could be during a football game anytime. Okay, text this to such and such a number. And they will raise literally millions and millions and millions of dollars to help people. Why? Because people are generally moved with compassion. And they're moved with sympathy. Sally Struthers gets on the TV and shows you starving people overseas, right? And people give. Little kid with a fly on his face and everything. Yeah, we're moved to compassion. And we give. So, so most people have that, all right? And I know we don't think of each other like that all the time, or we think we kind of live in a hardened place or a hardened society. And yet most people in our society, again, unless they're psychopaths or something, they have a certain level of compassion and sympathy. That's just the way we are. We're made that way. Okay, so, so we'll say that's number one. Okay, good. So if you're not a psychopath, you're good at number one. So you can relax on that one. Number two is the idea of kindness and lowliness of mind. And you'll see that in there. A kindness and a lowliness of mind. And what that takes to the next level is, an, is the idea of being ready to oblige others. Meaning that we, as a people, 
will be, if necessary, even self-neglectful to help somebody out. That means I will take of my time, I will sacrifice of my resources, and I will help somebody out, even if it costs me something. All right? And that's kind of the next level of this. That it's not just I'm going to dial up a, a, a text number and give 10 bucks. It's I'll take an hour out of my day and I'll go sit with somebody and talk to them. Or I will go and I'll help somebody clean their house. Or I will cook a meal for somebody and help them out because they're grieving or they're going through something. I will give of myself to help somebody else. And I mean something that really costs us something. And so that's another level. That, that as we really understand what Jesus has done we find ourselves on that next level of, of serving and of loving each other. And that's the word to us. It's like, okay, so number one, that natural universal instinct of compassion, sympathy, good, good. A little more. Let's take it a little deeper. A little deeper is that kindness and that lowliness of mind to be willing to serve others, a readiness to oblige other people, even if we have to be a little bit self-neglectful to do that and uh, that happens uh, with parents and their kids I mean that's kind of a natural way that happens sometimes that happens between siblings sometimes that happens in, with, with friends that will sacrifice and give for each other and they'll do what needs to get done I mean it's just it happens it happens and so that's another place and that's a deeper place that God would have us to go but then uh, there's a third place that's described in these verses. And the third place that's described in these verses is that place where you go, and it's described as a gentleness and a long-suffering. And, and really what that describes is when somebody injures us, that we are willing to forgive and show mercy and continue on in the relationship. Now, I'm not talking about somebody like just out and out just abusing us emotionally physically whatever what I am talking about is the fact sometimes we hurt each other sometimes we do things that are hurtful to one another and it's a readiness to be willing to forgive that and, and to move on with that person and, and I really believe that that's an important aspect of, of who Jesus is in our life and what he expects of us with each other. So again, I'm not talking to the point where somebody's just whooping your ass. All right? And I mean that figuratively or literally. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about people make mistakes and people say things and people do hurtful things. And we need to be a people willing to forgive. That's what I'm talking about. So we're not doormatting it. But we're certainly being vulnerable. All right? That's what's happening. And so th those, you see the three different kind of levels he goes through as he begins to describe this? It's like, okay, I'm not a psychopath. Good. Oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put myself out for you. And even if you hurt me, I'm still going to love you. Wow. Okay. And that's, 
I believe what Jesus is doing here. That's what I think. And that's his call. That, that's his word to us. That's, that's the idea of mercy in us, in this body, is that that's who we're called to be. So I, I encourage you to, to take a hold of that and say, all right. All right, so what does that really look like for me? And you might, be, you might see some of this in your life. That's good because that's where we need to be. But the word is go deeper to a greater degree than before. That's the word. That's the word to the elect here in Colossians is we're taking it deeper. So no matter where we're at with this, and, and we could be anywhere in this continuum I'm describing, in, or in between or somewhere, we're taking it deeper. That's the word is to take it deeper is really what's going on there. And really the idea behind it is we're called to go beyond just putting up with each other, but to actually love each other. We're not just tolerating each other, although that happens sometimes. But we need to be moving past toleration into a real relational understanding. I go back to that, that word tender mercies, the bowels of mercies. And, and really that's toward the afflicted, the destitute, and the distressed. And it comes from here. That's where it comes from. The real deal does anyway. We can all fake it, but the real deal is going to come from our gut, from our bowels. We all fake it. We need the real deal. And so let that ten, let those tender mercies, let that meekness, and that, that's about whatever injuries or provocations that we're going to receive, that we're going to forbear. That's going to come from here. That's where it really comes from. We can fake it, and that comes from here. But if it's real, it's going to come from here. So we got to be in touch with this. We need to be in touch with our gut. We did an exercise a little bit earlier where we just took a little while and we just kind of put our hands on our bellies. So I gave you some more information over the last 20 minutes. I gave you a little bit more information about this. That there's more going on here. That we're getting connected with the Holy Spirit but there's a few things he wants to do through us from here. That idea of the tender mercies from here. Idea of a meekness from here. The idea of, of the bowels of mercies, tender heartedness from here. I mean, we can fake all the rest. I mean, I can dial up a, um, a text message on my phone and give 10 bucks from my brain. All right, but if I'm gonna really live in mercy with people around me, I mean, really, 
Sometimes my brain's got to shut up because it's probably not the best idea all the time. And so it's got to come from somewhere else. Unless I'm going to fake it. I don't want to fake it. I don't. And what good does it do anyway? So the word is go deeper. To a greater degree than before. And if we're going to go deeper, I'm not going to tell you how to fake it. But it's going to come from here. That I do know. And so let's take a few moments and, again, let's take a few moments and let's just receive. Let's listen. Let's connect with the Holy Spirit. And I, I just want you to think about just uh, what do we mean to be, have bowels of mercy? And, and even take yourself through that progression. Like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of that general universal compassion and sympathy. I got that. Okay, good. And then go down a little bit more. Am I willing to, to give of my time? Am I willing to do something that costs me something to help somebody? Okay, all right, good. Take it deeper. What if somebody hurts me? That's a tough one. What if somebody hurts me? Is there still mercy there? I mean, there's mercy there. Am I willing to extend that mercy? Am I willing to live in that level of meekness in my life? And only you, you're going to have to deal with God with that one. But let's deal with it in our belly. Let's deal with it in our gut and our bowels. Heavenly Father, uh, we just, we're just sitting here before you. And I pray again we can just connect with you tonight. Just connect with you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Jesus, you fill us with mercy. We live in mercy. I mean, yeah, we live in mercy. I pray we can connect to that somehow tonight. That we can connect to that mercy is deep in us. As we as we go through that progression of what that means, I, I pray for something more tonight, something deeper. As we sit here and we think about, okay, yeah, you know, sympathy, compassion, okay, all right. I, I think I got that. I think I got that. And I'm willing to, to give some time. And I'm willing to give some, some resources to help somebody. Yeah, I think I can do that. All right, all right. I want more, God. I want, I want deeper than that. I want more of a freedom to do that. I want more of a freedom to, to give without even thinking about it. And to live in a, a greater degree of mercy. As we go deeper into mercy, there's, there's that place where people hurt us. I mean, Jesus is hanging on a cross. What's he say? Forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. 
Wow, that's a deep place of mercy. I pray that mercy would be deep in us. Deeper than it has been. Way deeper than than, than we've experienced before. I pray for more. I pray for deeper. I just ask you, God, that that we'd respond out of our innermost being. We'd respond out of our belly. We'd respond out of our bowels, our gut, just with mercy. And let that mercy flow out, not only in our life, but out through our lives and the lives of other people. And even that, that person that might have hurt us, or that person that, that, that may have slighted us, or that person that may have abandoned us, or that person that, that may have turned their back when we needed them. Wow. Just well up in us. And I just pray for more. Our brain will likely never understand it so hard and I pray God our gut that part of us really connected to your Holy Spirit that your mercy would flow thank you God thank you God If there's some things you need to let go of tonight, some some hatred, let it go. Some anger, oh, let that mercy, let that flow of mercy just, just send that anger out. Wow. Wow. Disappointment in people, let that flow of mercy just wash that away. Bitterness. Yeah. Let that river of mercy just take that. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Let it go. What else you holding on to? Let it go. Let it flow. God, I pray for peace and rest in our innermost being. Holy Spirit, just keep having your way. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray we just stay connected to you as long and as often as we can that that peace would just be strong over us and in us yeah we ask these things in Jesus name let's agree by saying amen amen alright well thanks for coming everybody and participating it's good to see you and we'll see you again soon